Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. May that be uh, the declaration of our heart uh, today that we would walk in obedience uh, to the will of God and to uh, His plan in our lives. We uh, welcome you here. If you're a guest with us this morning, we're so grateful uh, that you have joined us today and we are encouraged by your uh, presence with us. We are going to be uh, continuing in a series called Worship in the Rest of the Week. And we a lot of times think about worship as the moments that we just were part of. And I'm so grateful uh, for those moments that we are able to gather and lift our voices and sing in praise to our great God. Uh, and we think about worship in, in that context. Last week, we looked at this thought of worship in the context of our work, in, in the, way that we, uh, the way that we function, the way that we, uh, the way that we manage, the way that we are employees, the way that we serve uh, in that setting. Uh, today, we're going to be leaning in and looking at this thought of worship in our homes. And I want to encourage you this morning that we are made to worship, that our, uh, our, our, our homes are made to worship. God has created us uh, for worship and to bring him glory. And, I, you know, I was thinking this morning, I, I wonder uh, if those of you that have been married more than 10 years, uh, if you do me a favor, if you've been married more than 10 years, if you'll just stand uh, where you're at, more than 10 years uh, in the room uh, this morning, uh, lots of lots of folks uh, there. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of keep going up. More than twenty years. If you've been married more than twenty, a few few sitting down. Those of you that just sat down, you can look around. There's some good mentors uh, around right here. More than thirty years. I should have said twenty-five, so I could have stayed standing, right? But uh, more than thirty. All right, look around. Lots of lots of blessings and wisdom there. More than. 35 years. That's awesome. 40 years. Any more than 40 years? Wow. Yeah. 45 years. More than 45 years. Wow. All right, more than 50 years, right? Man, this is awesome. More than 55 years. Let's, all right, all right. Yeah, let's give him a hand here and we'll kind of narrow this down. Uh, 60 years or more. 60 years or more. All right, so. How, how many? 58? How many, Miss Peggy? 57. So 58. Graham and Lindy, y'all stand up uh, and let's, uh, let's celebrate them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ease out there and hopefully not cause any, uh, any feedback here. But we've got a little gift card for you to Chick-fil-A. You can enjoy some uh, breakfast or something there. But uh, Yeah, and, and, and it'll be my pleasure for you to have that. But, but while we're here, you guys have, we were able to be part of a, a Supper Six group years back where we got to spend some time together around the table. And I want to tell you, these, these two have encouraged me. I won't tell you where Graham met Linda. I'll let him do that 
later, but uh, it has uh, uh, just been an incredible blessing uh, to get to know them. And, and I wonder, you know, as we're thinking about the home, maybe you could give us uh, just a couple pieces of advice from being married uh, that long. Any, any advice uh, this morning? I guess to, to just be grateful for every day that I, we spend together. Yeah, so, so Graham says be grateful for every day uh, that they spend together, not to take it for granted. That's awesome. Yeah, let's give them a hand uh, this morning. And we, uh, we're grateful for just a beautiful picture of marriage that they've displayed for me and, and for my wife uh, when, I, uh, <laughs> when I think of... Uh, just couples that uh, really just have, have inspired me in the way they, uh, they, they live and love one another. Uh, they have definitely been those uh, in our life. So appreciate that. Uh, you know, this week uh, we're engaging in this thought of what biblical worship looks like in the context of our homes. And I'm going to give you a, a definition that we are going to use throughout this series. We'll be looking more and more as we go toward uh, the end of this month at what it looks like when we worship as the gathered uh, church. But here's this definition that will kind of ground us throughout it. But biblical worship is when a spirit-filled believer glorifies the one true God by offering themselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him, walking daily in obedience with sincerity of heart, humility, praise, and adoration. And so what does that look like uh, in the home? You know, I was uh, visiting uh, one of our older couples, uh, Jack and Bobby Dillard, uh, this week, and uh, they'd been married uh, for 69 years. And uh, man, I thought, you know, that's amazing, right? And I was, I was talking to them, and I asked them that same question. I said, what piece of advice would you give, you know, us young whippersnappers that have been married less than, you know, 69 years? <laughs> and, and they said this, they said, keep Jesus first and just work together as you walk through uh, this life. And you know, as a pastor, I'm blessed to get to be part of a bunch of weddings. I see people in the room that I've uh, had the blessing of, of marrying and people in the room, especially my wife, like I married her like in that way, you know, but then uh, that I've been, been blessed to officiate weddings and today I have a wedding. And, you know, normally when I speak with families, I'll ask them to, to describe how marriage is viewed, maybe in their workplace or in the places that they uh, that they live and the places that they uh, interact with folks. And unfortunately, most of the time, the answer that I hear is not positive, right? That we live in a culture where many times marriage is not looked upon as something that is great. Uh, the scripture would tell us in the book of Hebrews uh, that marriage is to be esteemed and held in honor among all. You know, I, I read the story of one a couple that was looking around and the man looked at his wife and he said, look over there. He said, they look so happy. They're just the happiest couple. And she said, well, she said, you know, you might not believe everything. Don't be so sure. They're probably looking at us and thinking the same thing. You know, and that's kind of an ouch in, in the midst, right? And I, I want to encourage you that it it shouldn't be that way among believers, among those who are followers of Jesus Christ that have been empowered uh, and equipped with the Spirit of God to walk in, uh, in His ways. Uh, I want to encourage you that if we walk in God's plan, that we experience uh, great blessing, that we experience uh, joy, uh, that we experience uh, the work that God is doing through this incredible gift that He has given us 
Uh, and, and I want to remind you this morning that marriage is a gift that's been given to us for our good and for God's glory. Now, I, I recognize as we open kind of this, this topic this morning, as we begin to walk through uh, the scriptures in Colossians 3, there's a lot of different circumstances in this room. There are people that are, are single. Uh, there are people that are uh, single and dating, uh, maybe looking to be married. There are people that are single and uh, maybe you're called to singleness. Maybe you're in a place where uh, you don't feel that, that call to, to, to marriage and you've been given this gift of singleness. Uh, if that's you, then, then my encouragement to you is to use uh, that gift for the glory of God. That What we're going to see today is that this passage and this scripture has application to us, whether or not we are married, uh, whether or not we are single. We're going to see that the Apostle Paul is going to encourage us in whatever circumstances, in whatever situation that we are in, that we would do everything for the glory of God, that we would do everything in Jesus' name. And we're going to talk about what that means. We are, uh, maybe you're here and you've been divorced. Maybe you are, are in a, a difficult situation. And I'm reminded that our God takes broken pieces and he makes masterpieces. And I'm so thankful uh, for that in, in my life and God's grace. Uh, meets us exactly where we are at. And my prayer is that, uh, that that would happen this morning and that in his grace that we would all be encouraged to offer uh, our lives, right? And, and the scripture would say that that really is our reasonable service, that, that, that we would offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is just the reasonable response to the mercy of God in our lives. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 12 and read all the way through verse 21. We're going to look a little more uh, intent at verse 17 and following, but I want to invite you uh, in honor uh, of the authority and uh, in honor of the Word of God to stand with me as we read together. And the Scripture says this, beginning in verse 12, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved... Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Join me as we pray. Father, we are thankful, God, for the gift of marriage, for the gift of family. Lord, we recognize that it is in your design, it is for our good, and it is for your glory. God, and we pray that uh, this morning, God, you would help us as your people. God, to live lives of worship, God, whether we are single, whether we are married, God, whether we are children or adults, God, whatever stage of life that we are in, God, we pray that our lives would be worshiped to you in the way that we live, in the way that we submit uh, to your plan, God, in the way that we uh, really cry out the words of that song this morning, God, let your will be done, God, in our lives, Lord, and we pray 
God, that you would receive glory and honor out of everything that takes place today, Lord. If there's someone here that has never experienced your grace and your forgiveness, God, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would turn uh, from their way and their sin, God, and they would trust in you, God, that they might pass from death to life. God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us, and we pray and ask for your blessing, God, your illumination, God, uh, just on your word today, and we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name, Uh, amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. Now, uh, Colossians 3 would give us this picture leading up uh, to this point of the new man. We would read in the beginning part of uh, chapter 3 in the book of Colossians that, uh, that, that we have died, right? He would say that there's a, a new man, and he would use terminology like this. He said, for you have died, and your life is now hidden uh, with Christ in God. He said that, that you uh, have been raised in Christ, right? Verse 1 says, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking those things that are above and not on the earth below. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And there's these great reminders, right, that, that when he is revealed, right, that when, what, a, what a joy it is for followers of Jesus Christ to know that when Jesus is revealed, the scripture says when he is revealed, you too will be revealed with him in glory, right? That we are seated in heavenly places, right? And we, we just are, are, are so encouraged by that. And as, as we look at this passage, we see this new man is called to a new way of life. And, and there's this reality that the things that we're going to be challenged with today, the way that we are called to function in our homes, that apart from the work of Christ in our life, that there's not any one of us in this room that can walk in this, but in Christ, and submitted to his will in the power of his spirit, we can be new men living new lives in the context of our homes, bringing glory to God. Beginning in verse 17, we read these words, whatever you do. Now, it's interesting. If you uh, look at this text, it says whatever you do. So no matter whether you're single, married, whatever that situation is, some of your translations might say in everything you do, whether in word or deed, to do all those things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we think about word or deed, I want you to think about those things. Those are always in the context of relationships. So whatever relationships that you have, whatever you do in those, whether it be in word or deed, we're going to see that we're called to do those in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, what does that mean? We hear that word, do all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now we pray, and at the end of our prayers, we stop and we we finish our prayers and we say, in Jesus' name. And many of us, we may say those things, and it's more of just a sign-off where we finish with our prayer and we move in uh, to some other part of our day or we move into another uh, place along the way. But what we understand is when we do things in the name of the Lord Jesus, what we are saying is that we're doing those things according to your will. We're doing those things in worship to Jesus. We're doing those things as an offering for his glory And we are doing those in Jesus' name, that whatever we do in word or deed, the interaction that we have with our spouse, the interaction that we have with our neighbor, the interaction that we have at our workplace with whoever and whatever, anything that we do in word or deed, that we are doing those things first and foremost unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And it shapes the way that we respond. It shapes the way that we live. And so we see this call in whatever you do, and then we see that whatever we do, Whatever we are to do, whatever we do, whatever thing he's talking about, he begins to talk about the home. He says, in everything, do it this way. And then he says, all this instruction about our home. Now, it's an interesting passage as he begins to talk about the family, right? He begins to say things like, 
uh, husbands, love your wives, right? And, and we think about this, this thought of that sounds pretty good. Uh, and our wives are like, good, that, that's great. But what we read is that the Apostle Paul would first say, wives, submit to your husbands. Husband loves your wives. You young people that are in the room, children, uh, obey your parents. Uh, fathers, don't exasperate your children. And so there's this instruction, no matter where we are in that piece and how, how countercultural some of those things sound, how different from what we see so many times does that sound. Now, we recognize that as we walk in the design that God has for family, that God is glorified, that we experience uh, the joy of, of walking uh, in his design. And what we see about the family just foundationally is that God has created the family. We, we didn't create uh, the family. And, and even in the beginning, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. But what we read is that God was creating everything. He created all uh, of the heavens and the earth. He created all these things. And we would read over and over. And it was good. And it was good. And then, you know, Adam is, is uh, creating. He's naming uh, all these animals. And Adam has no idea in those moments of his need for companionship. He doesn't understand all those things. And God uh, gives him the blessing of naming all these animals. And all of a sudden, Adam is realizing, hey, uh, everybody else got two, right? And, and, and then we read these words in Scripture where, where the Lord says, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, this wasn't a surprise to the Lord. The Lord wanted Adam to understand this need. He wanted him to see this thing. And, and God would say, it's not good for man to be alone. And, and so what we see is that God created a helper suitable for him. We see that from the beginning in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, the scripture says this, that let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, the family, it's God's design. God is our creator. It is God's plan. Marriage was designed uh, by God, not man. Adam didn't uh, design this thing. I didn't design this thing. What we understand is that God uh, created man and woman, and we see, and, and I know this is no surprise to you, but men and women are different. That's not the most theologically deep thing I'm going to say today, right? But, but God created us different, and he, and he created us different on purpose for a purpose. And, and the Bible would say, and, and I want you, every one of you to know that the scripture would say that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible would tell us that before you were formed in your mother's womb, that he knew you and that he created you with purpose. And that we, we would see just the beauty of creation and that God had made them different for a purpose. You know, this morning I, I went into my office and as I went in, I pulled maybe one of the last uh, little papers from my kids' younger days that uh, they had made me, and, and I, I've had this hanging in my office for years, and it, it says, love you, Daddy. And you know, I looked at that this morning, and I just treasure that. I still treasure that. I've, I've got a box, and, and some of you parents have a box like this. I've got a box that sits on a shelf in my bedroom, and, and I put all the things that they've made, like every little drawing, every little little note, every little thing, and I keep them in that box, and I'll get them out, and I'll look at them, and you know, when you look at this, you might look at it, and you say, well, that's pretty good. I would have 
I would have filled up a little more on this side of the page, or I would have done this, or I would have done that. But, you know, I want you to understand something, man. This is, this is perfect to me. It's, it's beautiful to me. And, and when my kids would give me something like this, I can remember when they were small that they would, they would draw out something for me or they would do something, and I would look at it, and I would say, oh, my goodness, I love that. I'm, I'm going to take that to my office, and I'm going to hang that up. And if I forgot it at home that day and they saw it that night, they would say, you, you didn't take that paper and... Why don't you take that paper and hang that up? I said, oh, my goodness, I forgot, but I'm so excited to take that paper. And then I would take it, and they would ask me the next day, they'd say, Daddy, did you hang up that paper? Did you put that? And I said, oh, yeah, I got it right there for everybody to see. Right? I'm so proud of that. I love it. And see, it, it's so meaningful. It's meaningful to them because they designed it. They, they, they created it for me, that they made it, and it's so special to me, right? I don't want anybody to mark on this. I don't want anybody to change this, right? It's beautiful. No matter, no matter what you think it might need, right, it is beautiful in my sight. And I want you to understand that God is designer, and, and he has created us. He, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God is our creator, and he is our designer, and only he defines who we are. Only he defines the order of life and the way that he has established the family to function in the midst of this world. You know, Jesus responded to questions about marriage and divorce in Matthew chapter 19, and he answered and said, have you not read from the beginning that he who created them from the beginning created them male and female. And then he said, and for this reason, I, I share this verse at every wedding. I've got a wedding this afternoon, and I'm going to share this verse, right, that from the beginning, right, he created them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It is this beautiful plan of God. And, and we read that verse, and it's this thought of two becoming one flesh. I, I want to remind you that not only in this, this verse do we see God's plan for a man and wife to come together in one flesh, this mingling of souls and this oneness that is experienced in this beautiful gift of marriage, but it also reminds us so much about our role as parents, right? When you read this verse, it said, for this reason, a man... Right? Not a child, right? A man will leave his father and his mother, right? And we have this responsibility as parents that we might train up a generation, that we might raise men and women that are ready to be released into this world. The scripture says, uh, blessed is a man whose quiver is full. It says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Blessed is a man whose quiver is full, that there's this responsibility that we have, right? We're not training uh, our kids to live in our homes for the rest of their life, right? We train them to be ready to go in and to launch into this world, right? Adam and Eve were given this, this mandate and this, this responsibility, this call. God created them, right? And, and he created marriage for their good and for his glory. And in this creation, he, he, he mutually completed one another, right? There was this beautiful gift that, that there was a helper suitable for Adam, right? And this this word helper, it's nothing demeaning, it's nothing inferior, but it is this beautiful picture of completing and, and allowing Adam to accomplish more than he could ever accomplish by himself. I see in God's design of my beautiful bride, there are so many places where I am weak that she is strong and that God has given me this beautiful helper. And, and scripture would say that, that God is our helper, that there is this beautiful picture of, of this role that God has created and this beautiful picture of, of his design 
design in these moments, right? And there's this, this work that God has for us. So, so we have this job to prepare for release. Now, Paul speaks and begins to talk to these individual members of the family. And he starts out and he says, wives, uh, be subject to your husbands." Some of your translations would say, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And in this verse, we see something that in our culture doesn't really enjoy hearing a whole lot about. And, and when we read it, we're reminded of this call for biblical headship and submission. We, we see this plan that God has for the way that we function in our family according to his design. And, and here's something we, we've got to establish as we go into this. What we have seen modeled in this has not always been good. And, and what we've seen, there's some ways that we have messed this thing up. There was ways that we have seen people mess this thing up. And, and there's this place where we might see uh, almost a, a dictator type role where there's some guy that is, has taken the scripture and has, has twisted some things around and has said, you know what, I'm in charge and you're going to serve me and you're going to do this. And then he's a, a jerk in his home and, and his home is a place where the kids are afraid and the things are going on. And he's taken this call uh, to, to humbly and lovingly lead his family. And instead of doing that, uh, he, he has this top-down, all-about-him model, this top-down, and in the worst cases of that, it's abusive and it's sinful and unbiblical. And when we've seen those kind of things, it's caused many to run far from this call for what it looks like to, to see this biblical headship in our marriage. Another thing that we might see more common uh, is this kind of 50-50 role, what I call it the leaderless marriage. It's this place where we say, you know what, we're just going to kind of figure out who does what, and we're just going to kind of walk in that. And there's some, there's some blessing in using the strengths and gifts, but it's this leaderless marriage where nobody really is, is leading. And it's mostly what we see in our culture. But I, I want to just encourage you that God's plan is something completely different. It is this beautiful picture where there is a man uh, who is following Jesus Christ and who is being led by God. And as we looked last week at this role of masters, and, and if you remember in that passage, it said, masters, you too have a master who is in heaven. So there's this picture of this man who is being led by God, who is leading his wife lovingly as they walk together, as they live for the glory of God in their life. It emphasizes the equality quality, uh, that, that they are, are created in the image of God, the Imago Dei, this beautiful equality, but this reality that there is a difference in God's design for a purpose. Matthew Henry uh, says famously this quote, the woman was made out of a rib, was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled on by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. And so in God's design, we see this call for wives to submit scripturally. Now there's a, understand it didn't say women are to submit to men. It said wives. It said this is not uh, by the way, this is not for girlfriends to their boyfriends. This is not, this is only in the context of marriage. Uh, this is wives submitting scripturally to their husband. And, and here's a, a, a definition of that. Submission is the wife's divinely appointed role to use her gifts and attitude to affirm her husband's leadership and initiative. Now, this is something, submission is something a wife gives in submission to God to allow God to shape her husband into the man that God desires him to be. It produces order. It produces cooperation. 
It is this way that a husband and wife walk together throughout life. And God's design is that husbands would take the lead in this role. Ephesians 5.23 would say husbands, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. Now this submission, it should be the natural response to loving godly leadership. Because see, this is what we're called to as men. And we're going to lean in a little bit on this thought of biblical headship. Here's a definition. Headship is the husband's divinely appointed role to provide responsible servant leadership in his home. Verse 19 says, husbands, love your wives and don't be embittered against them. Husbands, love your wives. We see this call for wives to submit scripturally, but there's a call for husbands to lead sacrificially, to love sacrificially. See, that's the call. Husbands, love your wives. We would read in the scriptures in Ephesians 5 that, that in verse 25, it would tell us how we're to love. The scripture would say that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. See, this is the type of loving headship and leadership that we see in the scripture. Now, our nature is that and we see from the fall that these relationships are twisted. There's this, this desire that, that can be sinfully in men to rule over, right? And, and we see uh, these places, right, that, that this relationship and this beauty has been broken and marred because of sin. But what we understand is that as Christ loved the church, we are called to love our wives and to serve her in that way. Now, our nature is to serve me. Our nature is I want my wife to take care of me and to meet my needs and to do these things. But what we see in the scriptures, there's this loving call for us to love, right? And, and the word for love, it's not some uh, romantic love. The word in the Greek is not uh, eros, which is this thought of this romantic love that's there. It's not phileo, it's this thought of, of this reciprocal love for one another. But there is a call that men would love their wives with agape love, this unconditional love that seeks the good of another person, even at our expense. This is what we're called to men. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to love our wives with a sacrificial love that seeks their good, regardless of, of the comfort that it might cost us, regardless of the things that are there. We, I love to say uh, that, that men go to bed worn out, right? Because we have poured our lives out for the good of our family. We have, have worshiped God. God by serving our family and walking in his design. It is the call that we have as head of households that we might lead with servant leadership. Now, marriage is a lot of times they're starting in the wrong place, right? We think a lot of times about marriage as how it can serve me. If I go into marriage and I say, how can my wife serve me? Marriage is all about me. Like, how can she do this? How can she do that? Maybe we uh, have this thought of, of uh, maybe starting with our spouse. Maybe we've, we've gotten a little better and we're saying, okay, it's not about me, but I'm going to go into marriage and I'm going to think about how I can serve my spouse. But what we see in the scripture is that marriage is about the glory of Christ. And when we go into 
to marriage and we understand that marriage exists for Christ's glory and that we uh, are an example to this world of the gospel that we might declare and give a picture, this beautiful picture of Christ and his bride, the church. We understand that marriage is much greater than anything we could imagine. And, and the scripture would say, love your wives and don't be embittered, right? It would be natural as men poured their lives out if their wives weren't on their A game that day. And right, if they didn't respond in a certain way, that we might stop loving and serving, that we might become embittered and, and that we might get bitter in these moments and not love in the way that God would call us to. And he says, regardless of how she's responding, regardless, right, we, we see this beautiful sacrifice, this beautiful sacrificial love of Christ for his undeserving sinners that, that he loves and gives himself for, right? And so when we recognize that, we choose in our marriage not to sweat the small stuff, not to allow things to, to, to just build up and to be embittered in those places, right? We recognize that these little pet peeves and these little things that can cause trouble, right? So many times it's something small and it just works its way in and we get upset about it and we get angry about it. And, and, and Graham and Linda gave us such a good picture. They said, listen, we're going to redeem and enjoy and be grateful for every moment that we have together. We're gonna to be grateful because time is a gift, right? And so we don't wanna waste our time. We wanna redeem the time. We recognize that the scripture would say the days are evil and, and time is getting away. And so we wanna live every day for the glory of God. We wanna live out of an overflow of relationship with the Father where we might love and serve in his strength, right? We, we wanna live in that way. We wanna prioritize, right? Men, we need to prioritize our marriage. We understand that it's a reflection to this world of the gospel. And so we prioritize our marriage. We, we invest in our marriage. We recognize, you know, I was in a vehicle with a couple guys this week and we were driving and um, my, my car needs some new rotors, you know. And so I pushed the brakes and they're like, hey, those are doing pretty good. And uh, men just kind of talking. I'm like, yeah, I'll just uh, change those eventually. I'll, I'll get a little more out of those. And we were kind of just bouncing back and forth. And, and then we got to talking about changing oil and how far we go. Like men talk about all kind of you know, stuff when we get together. He's like, yeah, some of those oils, they say you can go 20,000 miles. I wouldn't go more than 3,000. We're going back and forth because we understand that this car that we have is valuable. And we understand that not maintaining this car is going to end in some very expensive and difficult moments along the way. And I want you to understand that we need to, to shift our view of, of investing in our marriage to something that people do when they're having trouble, to something that people do in worship to God because we want our marriage to be the best that it can be. You know, there's a, there's a marriage class that meets on Wednesday night in the hub. You can, you can invest in your marriage by being part of a small group like that. On October the 14th, uh, Heart for Families is going to host a marriage conference uh, right here at Cowie. And, and you have the ability uh, to, to invest in your marriage. And if you're a first responder, uh, if you're law enforcement, we understand that there are things that uh, that you face along the way. And when I say we, I mean heart for families. And so they're going to provide that uh, free to you. If there's anyone in this room uh, that, that cost is any kind of uh, situation that would prevent you from being part of this marriage conference, we will provide uh, those uh, scholarships for folks to be part of that because we believe in investing in our marriage. So we prioritize our marriage. We understand that it's important. You know, advice that I've been given, date weekly. That was the best advice maybe that I've been given in our life because we're just running down the road side by side. We're trying to get all these things accomplished, but we just try to pull off and just date weekly to escape monthly, just to say, hey, we're going to get away for a little bit longer time together. Retreat yearly, maybe this time where we just leave our kids 
And some of you are thinking, man, I can't leave little precious Johnny, and I can't leave. Listen, the best gift that you could give your children is a healthy marriage, and we need to invest in our marriage. And as the head of house, we are responsible to set the spiritual thermostat in our home. We are responsible to be the one that is leading and is the shepherd and pastor of our home. So wives submit scripturally. Husbands love sacrificially. The next thing we see is that in verse 20, children, be obedient to your parents in all things for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Children, you are to obey sincerely. Parents, as we, as we love and, and invest in our children, our heart is not simply behavior modification, but our heart is that, that we would see heart transformation. Our heart is that, that there would be obedience that is from the heart, that, that they would know Jesus, that, that they would recognize one day that they too are little sinners in need of a Savior, and that apart from Jesus Christ, that there is no hope, right? And so we share the gospel, and we lean into their lives, and our heart is that one day in submission to God, that they would submit to the authority of their parents, and that they would walk in obedience sincerely to them. Fathers, Verse 21, he says, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Fathers, we're to train steadfastly, steady, committed in the face of challenges, in the face of anything that we do, right? As parents, we, we, we see this call for us to come together. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, will cleave into his wife, and they will become one flesh. One of the greatest places that we exhibit this oneness is in the way we parent those little whippersnappers because they are good at getting in, like, they're good, mama, how about this? And daddy, how about this, right? And, and so we have this unified front, right, that we're going to parent our children. We're going to raise them up. We're going to train them. Ephesians 6 would, would give us a, a verse that, that is parallel to this. And we would see not only are we not to exasperate them, not only are we not to provoke them to anger, but we're to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And so I wonder, like, how is that in our homes? We, the, the greatest gift, maybe I, we have this relationship where our marriage is healthy. Uh, that, that, that is the greatest gift we could give our children. And then a home that, that is godly in its behavior, that's words and speech glorify God. And, and, and this home that is in, unif in, in unity in the parenting and the oneness of the way that we would bring these children up according to the boundaries and the design that God has given us in his Word. So we prioritize, right? As family, Sunday worship, we prioritize gathering. And men, we need to model what it looks like to worship Jesus. Our kids need to understand that above everything, that we're in love with our wives. But even greater than that, we are in love with Jesus. And our desire is not for our will to be done, but for his will to be done. We prioritize the, the worship that takes place on Sunday, and we prioritize the family worship that takes place at home. But some of you are saying, how do we do that? What do we, how do we, I don't know how to do that. You're a pastor. Listen, I don't get it right all the time. And, and we, it is a, a battle that busyness can distract us from, but we can't be too busy for our homes to be places of worship. And it's simple. You open the scripture, you pray, and you sing. And if you can't sing like me, you can turn on YouTube or Spotify or whatever else that is there. Because we understand Proverbs 22 would say, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he won't depart from it. That's not a promise, but it's a principle from God's word that if normally and in, in, in our lives, that when we train a child up in that way, that when he is old, he's going to continue in that path. Lean in with me here for just a second. More is caught than taught. And our hope as families, listen, we, we should model 
what it looks like. I pray and I hope that my daughter is able to look at the relationship that I have with my wife and that she might have a high standard for those who would have a relationship with her, that she might know what it looks like to be loved, that she might know what it's looked like uh, to, to walk in those places. I pray that my son might be able to look at my, wife, at my life and say, you know what, I know what it looks like to love a, a wife. I know what it looks like to walk in those places. So many people would tell you that, that, that your home should be uh, parent-centered, right? And, and it's all about the two of you, right? And that's a gift to your children. Some of you, and what we normally see in our culture is that our, our homes become child-centered and everything becomes about them. But what we have to be as followers of Jesus Christ is a people who will have homes that are Christ-centered. And we begin to look at our children and we say not so much what do they want, but what do they need according to the Word of God to be trained up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Where do we need to be consistent? Where do we need to stand? Where do we need to live? Where do we do that? And men, we must be people that recognize that God has called us to lead in that. If you're a lady and you have an unbeliever for a husband, then you would have to walk in that place of leadership. Maybe you're a single mom. There are so many different places, but we need to be those people who are, are living in that as men. And what do we teach? What do we do? How do we live? And I want to just speak into our culture for just a second. As, as followers of Jesus Christ with our kids, we must share unconditional love and unwavering truth from the Word of God as we walk through the Scriptures. We must teach our kids the worldview that, that God has laid out in His Word. And we must not yield and compromise to the contrary opinions of this world. We must not apologize where the word of God has spoken and the culture looks differently. Uh, we, we, the world loves this idea of us just letting our kids somehow wonder and choose for themselves what they believe is truth. But if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, then that's the craziest thing that you could ever do in this world. We understand that we've been given God's word and his word is truth. And what a disastrous deception that you should just let your kids be aimlessly discipled by YouTube and TikTok and Snapchat and whatever other thing that is, that is in, indoctrinating them with all kinds of, of false information. And to not tell your kids the truth is the most unloving thing that you could do as a parent because we are called to help a generation as a church and as families to navigate the most perilous, difficult time that I believe we've ever lived in with temptations and, and so much false information that is at their fingertips in a moment. And we must recognize that we have got to be a people who are, are, are people who demonstrate this unconditional love and unwavering truth. And I want to share just a couple of statistics with you this morning as we close. I, I want to just lean in for, for just a moment as we look at the culture that we're in. We've looked today that God has a perfect design. We see that he has created them male and female, that we are created in his image, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The latest statistics in our culture. You know, you know I looked up this morning and, and, and I want to just unapologetically, but with grace and with love, recognizing that there are so many people in our culture that are confused. There are so many people that have been hearing all kinds of misinformation. 
But there are two genders, male and female, created in the image of God for his glory and for our good. I, I Googled this morning, just before our early service, how many genders are there? And I want you to know that the first thing that popped up was that there were 107 Genders. And there's a generation that is hearing all these kind of things. There's a generation that early in their age, they're being asked, hey, what pronoun do you go by? Hey, what, what thing? And you go, well, who, who do you identify as? I want you to understand something. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't say oops. And we need to be a place as a church and in our homes, a place of safety where conversations about sexuality can take place, where conversations uh, about gender and, and all these different things can be, uh, can be safely talked about, a place where people can experience the unconditional love that we've been called to give in Christ, but a people who would also stand on the unwavering truth of the Word of God and that we would be a, a lighthouse in the midst of this world. In, in Generation Z right now, the latest Barna statistics say this, that in Generation Z, this is an overwhelming statistic to me that 21% of adults from Generation Z, these are kids that Generation Z, I believe, would be from ages maybe about 7 to 25. The adults that are in that generation, ages 18 to 25, that 21% of those adults in Generation Z would identify as LGBTQ+. 21%. Right? The world, and, and I want you to understand, and y'all hang with me for just a second, right? From the very beginning... Satan has been attacking the word of God. He's been attacking the family. We see Adam and Eve in the garden. And, and Satan's question is, did God really say? God didn't really say that. God didn't really do that. And we are experiencing that same attack. And in the garden, the Bible says that Eve hate and Adam, who was with her. And there was a passivity in men in those moments. And it's been that passivity uh, in the lives uh, of, of people that have allowed us to get to the place that we are in. And we must be a place where our homes are, are places that stand on the truth of the Word of God and that we love unconditionally. We, we are a welcoming place for people who are in desperate need of the truth of God, but that we stand on the Word of God. We've got to start now. We've got to stay faithful and we've got to stand unwavering for the truth of God's word. I want to invite you this morning. We're going to, we're going to worship together this morning. I know that some of this is a kind of a heavy place of reality, right, that we find ourselves in in the midst of culture, in the midst of this world. And maybe your parents in this room and you're raising kids and you're saying, how in the world I mean, do we parent in the midst of a world that, that, is, that is broken? And it is not, right? It, it is not. I say this often. It is not how much we can protect our kids from the lies, and we must protect them from the lies. We must do all we can to do that. But it is how much they know the truth. And we have got to be a people who will devote ourselves to family worship, that will devote ourselves to worship in the Word of God, and that will be light in the midst of the broken world we live in. And I want to I call you, the scripture says that in, in Joshua chapter 24, there's a passage where we read, and there's this moment, right, where men are called to rise up, and where Joshua would, would, would look at the people, and he'd say, whether you are going to serve the gods on the other side of the flood, he said, choose this day who you'll serve. And then Joshua looks at him, he says, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. There's a man walking through the midst of these perilous times. I just want to just extend a call to other men in this room, other families in this room, to just declare this morning, ask for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to stand on the word of God even 
when it doesn't line up with the things in our culture. We're going to stand on the Word of God unapologetically in our families. We're going to love unconditionally. But we're going to stand unwaveringly on the truth. Maybe your families that are here this morning, you've been parenting where you've been all over the place, where there's been no oneness in that, where you've been, you've been kind of going your own direction, and it's time that you become a unified front. Maybe there's some men that say, you know what, I've not led where I need to lead, and this morning I want to pray that God will help me to lead my home sacrificially, that God, you might, in, in the power of your Holy Spirit, give me strength to love my wife sacrificially. As Christ loved the church, God, that you'd give me the strength to go to bed tired every day and demonstrating my love to my family that I might be an example for my kids and for this generation. You might be ladies that would say, you know what, I'm going to build my husband up instead of tearing him down. I understand that he's been designed to need respect and I'm going to speak truth into his life. I'm going to open the place for him to lead. I'm going to encourage him because I want to see him become the man God desires him to be. Will you pray with me? Father, we know God, the things that we've shared today are unpopular. God, the call to biblical headship and submission, it's something in so many ways that's been put aside in our culture. But God, you designed the family. And God, you're the only one that defines it. And God, we are to walk in obedience to your design, to your command. God, your word tells us that we are not to be conformed to the image of this world, but that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we might prove what is good and acceptable, what is the perfect will of God. Lord, we pray that instead of, Lord, the way our culture wants to transform, God, to to whatever we're thinking and whatever truth that might be around, God, that we would be a people, that we'd be committed to being transformed by the renewing of our mind, God, as we just walk in accordance to your will. God, we pray you help families in this room. God, we pray that this time of response, Lord, would be a time of surrender. God, it would be a time where the Holy Spirit of God would walk in this place. God, would move among us. And God, that families would align themselves, God, in accordance to your plan. And that, God, you would empower us with your spirit to walk in obedience and surrender. God, we love you. We ask for your help in this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you? Will you stand with me this morning as we worship?